Hi, this is Dan Sullivan, and we're back with the next episode of Exponential Wisdom with my mentor in all things technology, Peter Diamandis. Peter, we're going right back to the basic structure that I so fell in love with when I first <laughs> met you, and that's the 6D formula. Real quick, I'll say the words, and then you can give a very, very quick analysis because we've done something in the last quarter with the formula to make it a very personal tool for all the entrepreneurs I have in my program and all the listeners here on Exponential Wisdom. And what I loved about this is that you gave a formula for people to understand change in the world caused by technology and that the starting point is things are getting digitized. In all areas of human activity, things are getting digitized. And at first, when people are doing this, the work that they're doing will not be seen by the outside world, and they themselves may not entirely understand, so it's deceptive. But if they really create a new form of value, and we'll talk about the value of the digital thing, it's going to disrupt something. It's going to disrupt the way they're operating. It could disrupt how they're operating in the marketplace. And the first form of disruption is that things dematerialize. They go from having mass to having bits. Somebody said the overall mass of the American economy has dropped in half on a per dollar basis over the last 20 years just because of digitization. And then where it really affects marketplaces, the demonetization, the dropping of price, the drops of costs. And then if it's gonna have a huge impact, it democratizes where before maybe a few people had this new capability, now thousands and millions of people have them. And when I was a Boy Scout, I learned a scout is trustworthy, loyal, helpful, friendly, courteous, kind, obedient, cheerful, thrifty, brave, clean, and reverent. And uh, wow. so, <laughs> so all the Eagle Scouts listening to us immediately high-fied us. But I just automatically think of digitized, deceptive, disrupt, dematerialized, demonetize, and democratize whenever I'm reading about a new technology and does it have the ability to do those six things. So that's the student's report. This awesome. Is, this is my little essay that I'm handing in on, uh, <laughs> handing in after vacation to say what I've learned. A plus, Dan, A plus. So it's interesting, right? The question is, what are you doing as an entrepreneur, as an executive, as a CEO, as a parent in your life that is an analog process? It's the same way you've done it before. It takes time. It takes energy. You have to go through and invest in the same process every time to get to the result that you could digitize. And if you digitize it, part of that process is automation, is adding digitizing something with a layer of AI that is able to make it simple, easy, fun, replicable, that once you've done that, you're done and it just saves you time. I think one of the things that's interesting is that we are all born with the same amount of time in our lives. We're all born with 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days in a year. And whether you're the poorest child or the wealthiest child or adult on the planet, that's what you have. And so the only way you can buy back time today is by this 60s formulation. And I just came back from Brazil and I was thinking about as I was going through in the United States, the global entry process. Global entry is a way of digitizing 
the customs process, right? You mm -hmm. filled out a form, you go to the machine, you plug in your passport, and you go through and you cuts out the lines, it cuts out all the checking, and it's digitized it in a quick fashion that saves me time in the final result. So I'm constantly looking at my own business, my own life, and when I'm talking and looking at entrepreneurs and saying, okay, what is it that you're currently doing that you could digitize? I know one of the things that I'm applying the six D's formula for right now is my entire Abundance 360 program that you helped shape and you helped create. You know, A360 is a 360 CEOs, half of which at least are coach members, which I'm so grateful for our partnership in Dan. We get together for three days in January and I talk about what tech is going from deceptive to disruptive. And those 360 CEOs are my personal mastermind. It's just that group. I spent time with them. I love them. I work the entire year to give them three days that will transform their lives. And then, you know, I said, I've got to think about how I use the 60s on my own. So we created something called Abundance 360 Digital, which is digitizing every aspect of A360, mm -hmm. viewing, participation, I've created 160 videos of myself that are three to eight minutes that the 360 digital members get throughout the year. Anyway, the deceptive part right now is we just launched it. We're at five, 600 members. But the potential is one of my goals is get to a million entrepreneurs out there, mm -hmm. right? Because there's no way I'm going to be able to impact a million entrepreneurs with a live event. But I think entrepreneurs are the means by which we solve all the world's problems, mm -hmm. right? show an entrepreneur a meaty problem, I don't care what it is, and they go, wow, that's a great problem. I'm going to create a business to solve that problem. And ultimately, entrepreneurs solve those problems and we get a better and better world. And that's sort of the exponential growth of abundance that we're seeing is an impact of entrepreneurs using exponential technologies. So I think about the importance of digitization in everything we do. And I commend this Whenever you see someone writing something down or pulling around pieces of paper or having to mechanically go through processes, how do you digitize that? Because mm -hmm. the payoff is huge. I just want to give a little bit of history here is that when I was seven years old, I had a conversational relationship with a next door neighbor who was 78. So this was 1951 and this lady had been born in 1873. So I would talk to her about what life was like on the farm without electricity. So she went from no electricity to electricity. She went from no tractors to tractors, no telephone to telephone, no movies to movies, no radio to radio. And there was just this list of things that she had gone through. And I realized as I got older that she had gone through as much real fundamental change to lifestyle, change to occupations, as a lot of people were complaining about three months ago in 2017. In other words, that there was just this enormous shifting, but all those things that I talked about had become normal to her. She didn't find anything unusual about going to a movie or listening to the radio or using the telephone, driving in a car. She had normalized it. So for me, Peter, Things become habitual when they become normal. In other words, you don't even think about it. So one of the things I did is that I wanted to take your big macro view of how whole industries are transformed by technology, and I just wanted to bring it down to the life 
and the quarterly life of an entrepreneur and his or her organization. And by the way, if I could just say, this is what I love so much about being a coach member, right? I come back every quarter to coach and I spend the day with you and I get a set of tools that you've been working on for the better part of a year that I can then just start to apply. So, and just for everybody listening, I have to say, I love the fact, Dan, that you've wrapped your brain around 60s and taken it in a dimension that was not my initial intent, but has huge benefits to me and to everybody. Well, let me ask you a question about that, because I just basically asked three questions. What are three things that you're already using and getting enormous benefit out of? So people write that down. And people say, well, can you give me an example? I said, do you have a smartphone? Mm-hmm. And they said, well, yeah, of course, everybody's got a smartphone. And I says, can you remember when you didn't have a smartphone? <laughs> and I said, what can you do during the last seven days that you couldn't have done before you had the smartphone? So you have to normalize it for people because one of the things is that technology, when it becomes pervasive, it generally becomes invisible to people and they lose their sense of appreciation yep. of what it is. So I get them grounded and then I say, well, what are three things that you're now working on either individually or organizationally that's in the digital realm? And you know, I haven't found anybody who isn't doing something, but they hadn't really thought about it. And then I said, what are three things you're not using it now You're not working on it right now, so it's not imminent, but what are three things that you've heard about that you'd like to know a lot more about, and you're now going to become more curious, you're now going to investigate it? And then they get that thinking finished, and then I say, okay, from all your thinking, then what are the three most important digital improvements you can make 90 days from now, and what's the first step that you're going to take? And what that does is it takes them out of the realm of, wow, this is happening, this is happening, and said, this I can do, and I can see where these improvements will make a difference 90 days from each other. And then I put them in a group, and they talk to other people, and they hear all sorts of things that they're interested in. But what did it do for you? I mean, I'm shipping coal, the old phrase. I don't know if, no, (laughs) most people actually even know what this means anyway, but shipping coal to Newcastle simply means that I'm shipping technology to Silicon Valley or something like that. But I mean, what did it do? I mean, you've lived with this concept. You articulated the concept. What's it do just to have Peter look there? What's Peter actually doing for the next 90 days? Yeah. So... I think whenever I want to take my company to the next level or any of my products, I am doing two things. One is I'm putting on my moonshot thinking hat of what does 10 times bigger look like versus 10% growth. And then I'm putting on my six Ds, which is, again, if you're looking to grow something massively over the course of years, you want to have it be frictionless. You want it to be digitized and you want it to be growing like compound interest whereas technology is growing. If you are doing the same thing you've done all the time, then don't expect to have any kind of a change. In fact, you can expect things to slow down because of people are not as excited about it and it's just the world is changing rapidly and this thing is is not changing so it's in one mindset moving backwards. So in all of my companies, in XPRIZE, in Human Longevity, in Abundance 360, in Planetary Resources, in all of these companies, I'm thinking about how do you digitize? Mm-hmm. 
and then realizing that the early days of that are going to be slow and deceptive and painful. You know, part of what you're doing is investing energy in getting a new process going, which if you kept the old process going, it would just be the same and you'd, you wouldn't have to invest that energy. But once it gets going, I'm working, for example, on doing this at XPRIZE right now in a way that could be hugely amazing. I mean, it would change the world in a way of taking what we're doing. Anyway, I, I can't talk about it right now. No, no. But I think about the digitization of how we pick our XPRIZES, how we capitalize our XPRIZES, how we recruit teams for XPRIZES. How do we digitize this to get to a new level of scale like never before? And I think it's very possible. Yeah. We had a discussion last year about the expansion. Right now we're in three countries, we're in eight cities, and we were talking about expansion of coach. And I said, you know, rather than thinking about going anywhere, I would test out a new market, and my favorite would be Mumbai, but I would do it holographically. I'd be doing a workshop in Toronto, but it would look like I'm actually there in Mumbai, and it'll be a hologram, it'll be a digital representation of me. We'll learn what we need to learn, but it could be that I'm answering questions from people in the audience, you know, in Mumbai. So as far as getting on a plane, as far as shipping people, as far as doing any of that, I said, uh, I, I think that's more of the same, and I think it increases our material complexity. And I said, I don't think we should be going there with our thinking at all. I think we should be thinking about an entirely new framework. I agree with you. And as soon as you solve that digital version for a small group, I mean, your typical coach class size is 50? Yeah, 50. Yeah. As soon as you solve it for a group of 50 people in Mumbai, you've solved it for 50,000 people in Mumbai. Sure. In some sense. And so digitizing it, again, in the early days while you're working the kinks out and getting yeah. people working, it's deceptive. And the pain is much greater than having just gotten an airplane and going there. But at some point, it starts to work really well and word of mouth and you can grow exponentially where... How many coach members do you have to date in total? 18,000. 18,000. So yeah. wouldn't it be interesting if you had 18,000 in Mumbai yeah, uh, in yeah. a couple years' time? Yeah, and they're available. <laughs> <laughs> Peter, here's something that I don't know if it was Arthur C. Clarke or one of the other captivating science fiction writers from the 50s and 60s. But there was a question, you know, in those days, when do you send the rocket ship to the nearest star? And he says, well, here's the problem. He says, if you send one today, the rocket ship that you invent in 20 years will pass it in the first six months. <laughs> so, so true. the issue about technology and digitization, and I think this is very, very much is part of the deceptive part of it, is when do you push the button to actually go full commitment on something. And my sense is there's a weird thing, and I'm sure you think about this because you live in this realm every day, that by taking your time to get it right, you're not actually losing any time at all. Yeah, so I get that mindset, but here's the other flip side of the 60s world, which is the notion that getting it right is a fallacy of the analog world where you would spend all of your time producing something and getting it out into the universe and there was such a massive cost of getting it wrong that you had to get it right. 
because mm-hmm. you would have invested years of time and millions of dollars or scale that any way which way you want. The nice thing about the digital world is getting something out there soon and getting feedback from your audience and then iterating rapidly and experimenting is the mechanism. So I think, again, this is sort of the old adage that Reid Hoffman says, you know, if you're not embarrassed by the first release of your product, you've launched it too late. Yeah. And it's the minimally viable product. So the notion of just getting something out there and calling it properly saying this is an alpha, this is a beta, whatever the case might be, looking for feedback. So that rapid and the notion that you don't actually know what your clients truly want especially when you're going to a brand new population, in your case, Mumbai, and you might find a variation of it that is got a flavor that's specific to the culture or the background mm-hmm. or the age range and so forth that is different from. And so you let the data tell you what, it, yeah. what they want. Yeah, I mean, we went through it because not a jump like Mumbai, but we went to London about eight years ago. And it took us about five years to get a real handle on who the British entrepreneur was that was going to respond to a message coming from... You were very brave going to England. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. But we have a real good feel and our referral networks are booming. And there was like a code we had to crack to get there. But I'll tell you, the way I've tested the waters is just to watch our worldwide podcast traffic and who's signing up for the podcast. Because a podcast is the utterly cheap, almost without any cost. What we're doing right now, it requires us to come in, put on the earphones and start talking. And then little elves behind us put everything together. But the six Ds, I think as a framework, I like frameworks that you can live with. So I I would look down the road, would this still be a good framework 25 years from now? And I'll ask you the question, do you think there's a factor missing? Do you think that you'll understand one of the factors in an entirely new way, the 60s, digitized, deception, disruption, dematerialized, demontanus? Or do you think this is a good for the future? I think it gets better and better in the future. And for those fellow geeks out there, what is the ultimate 60s initiator is going to be nanotechnology, where in fact, you know, this is the work first written about by Eric K. Drexler and Richard Feynman, where the notion that you're going to be able to digitize matter and assemble it atom by atom, and that the cost of all things drops down to the cost of the information and energy and the raw materials. And so ultimately, we're going to digitize our world where you'll talk to an AI, describe what you want, and the AI will manufacture it atom by atom, a one-off bespoke item that is as cheap as a final product. So we are going to ultimately disrupt, demonetize, dematerialize, and democratize everything. Yeah. I don't care whether it's mansions and Ferraris. These things are the ultimate course of where we're going by the recombination of all these exponential technologies. I'm going to go back and challenge you on a statement. So you have these enterprises, some of which I've known about since I've known you, and then the new ones like human longevity and circularity. Cellularity, right. Yeah. And the question is, so what is it that you know you have to get right? When I think about those two 
HLI human longevity and, and both of them are world changing and both of them are focused on extending the healthy human lifespan and I know that what I need to get right is I need to be able to convey the value proposition I need to get the people in and then actually measure the impact on the people's lives if what we're offering doesn't change the person's life, doesn't increase their health, help them find what's going on in their body earlier, or help them make a longevity plan that extends their healthy lifespan, then we're not doing our job. But the big thing that I really notice with anything that doesn't exist yet, you're actually creating it, you have to get the initial partnership commitments right. I mean, the first thing that I wanted to I knew just because of the story of the first X Prize, and you weren't even flying economy with that one. You were out at the tip of the wing, <laughs> tip of the tip of the wing, and I said, quite frankly, you know, he has balls. <laughs> and the other aspect was your instant response that you would be totally willing to commit for twenty-five years. That's not a light question. Would you be so excited about this that you'd be willing to commit for 25 years? So one of the things, very strangely, you know, with things talking about time, there's some really great time reversals I'm starting to notice about the kinds of commitments that you would want to make in this age. And perhaps we could move on to number three to another podcast for that. See, I've never had a, any doubt from the moment that we started the A360 project that you, on the 25th anniversary, when we come into A360 25, that you would be there. Yeah. You know, I never had any thought. So my feeling is that partnership commitment is something you have to get right. Absolutely. So I think who you work with is everything. I mean, at the end of the day, the greatest achievements I've had in life have been because of my co-founders and partners and the, the community I create around myself and the joy and all of that energy. And especially people who challenge me in a new direction. I'll never forget that exact moment in time where we were sitting when I was about to go on stage and you said you should commit to do it running Abundance 360 for 25 years. And it was a bit flipped in my brain. A, what a powerful idea. You know, who among us think about committing to doing something for 25 years, like putting it out there in public, on the wall, with a countdown, as public as you can to the most important people in your life. I mean, when you take on a new job or something like that, or even a marriage, you know, you're committing to doing it as long as is practical. But it changed my perception of the future, right? Because 25 years is into the mid-2030s. And all of a sudden, I'm taking everybody in the Abundance 360 program through to the singularity, right? We're all going to have brain implants and we're engineering our kids. I mean, it's an interesting journey we're going on together. Mm -hmm. And I had to say, is this person, Dan Sullivan, and is this thing I want to do something I'm prepared to publicly commit for 25 years? And the answer was instantly yes on both. And if I had pause. If I was cautious there, that would tell me something. Mm -hmm. So that little game or that question you ask people is a really important way to do some internal truth-seeking. Mm -hmm. Yeah, both for yourself. So, Peter, I think we've completed our individualized 60s formula. Yeah. So maybe we could talk about spaceflight as our next one. Okay. I'm happy to talk about space. Because I think the recyclable rocket is a major 
breakthrough yeah. in spaceflight. And you know the inventor, engineer, the entrepreneur who's behind this. So that'll be our next podcast. Yeah, let's talk about opening up the space frontier for the fellow space cadets in here. How real is it? What's going on right now? What does it mean? And ultimately, when do you get your ticket to fly? Yes, indeed. See you next time. Bye. Bye.